My manager called up and said, um, Anthony Joshua's team have offered the AJ fight. He goes, at Wembley Stadium, I went, 100%, I'll take it. From Milton Keynes, please welcome Matt. This is how we do big time boxing in Great Britain. I sparred everybody, James Tony. Matt Skelton, Danny Williams, Sam Sexton. Have you sparred Tyson Fury? Yeah, yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever dealt with any sort of mental health issues? I didn't realise at the time, but ever since I was a teenager, I've always had a very quiet side where I'd not answer the phone for days. I never knew why. I wanted to be strong and be able to look after myself mm. just to stop these people attacking. I got, I got into loads of fights at school. This was about the same time I went to prison as well. The positive thing that came out of the prison was um, Norman Buckland was in there. So Norman then said to me, and he great advice, and I was recommending this to anybody. He said, Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Matt Legg is a former debt collector and heavyweight boxer who has fought the likes of Tyson Fury to Anthony Joshua at Wembley Stadium. He talks about his run-ins with the police, his time as a debt collector and how he's now preventing crime on our streets. This is the eventful life of Mr Matt Legg. Matt, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you for having me on, mate. I appreciate that. Quality. Yeah. He's doing really well on your uh, YouTube channel. I was like, mate, we need to we need to do a little session here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, so is yours, mate. Yours yeah. is flying. I think, yeah, yours is um, going to be one of the big ones. Thank you, mate. I really do, yeah. Thank you, I appreciate really that. Do. appreciate it. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you become one of the most well-respected fighters in the country? Um, I wouldn't say I was one of the most well-respected fighters, but, <laughs> but I, I grew up in a little uh, village in Northamptonshire called Drawton, uh, tiny. It's just got a, a church... Uh, not even a village shop, just a few houses in a church, surrounded by countryside, which is why I think I love the country. And I'll, I'll have to get out in the country most days to sort of clear my head and just see a bit of nature and stuff. So quite a quiet, peaceful childhood for the first six years. Mum and dad were great, uh, really instilled the old school manners and that sort of stuff into me, morals and respect and all of that. My dad was really big on not lying. He drummed that into me from a really early age. If I was naughty, I was the naughtiest. I got I got two brothers, mm. and um, I was the only one who was ever naughty. <laughs> and uh, my dad would say to me, "Whatever you've done that's naughty, I'd rather you tell the truth. Yeah. It's the it's the lying that's worse than the, what you've done." <clears throat> so I always tried to tell the truth and kept that. I've always kept like that now. And he always said, "Once you tell a lie, it's a web of lies." Then, yeah. so he instilled that into me, and he was quite strict with me. Uh, which I'm grateful for. Mm. My, my dad, he passed away sadly three years ago, um, but we got on really well. We were drinking together right up until he passed away at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, first six years, quite, quite, quite a village. Then my mum and dad moved into a pub in Bedford. Um, and that was the start of living in pubs for the rest of my life, which is something you, you did, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I lived in pubs all my life, above pubs in London. Yeah, yeah. in London as well. Yeah, mate. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was madness. Mm. I wouldn't change it for the world. I loved it. Yeah, I, I did as well. Yeah. I think, I don't know whether, it, did you drink now or not? Uh, yeah, I'm not a massive drinker, but I'll, no. I'll, I'll, I'm, a, I'm more of a binge drinker, I guess. That's what I am, yeah, yeah. A binge drinker. Yeah. 
I'm not saying it contributed to it, but I mean, I always liked the, I always liked pubs. Yeah. Maybe it was a social aspect of it. And uh, I was drinking from, I started drinking at the age of 13. Mm. But I was always drink to excess. Yeah. So uh, we lived in the pubs in, in Bedford initially when I was young. We did we stayed there two years. It was quite rough in Bedford at that point, and then we moved to Milton Keynes. When what I was, year? What year roughly were we talking? That here? was nineteen. Are we I'm talking in the eighties? Mid eighties. Eighty two. Okay, yeah. So eighty two to eighty four. Yeah. Then we moved to Milton Keynes yeah. in eighty four, and I lived there ever since. So pretty much my my life has been in Milton Keynes, mm. which I love. Milton Keynes. It gets a lot of stick for the roundabouts <laughs> and all that. <laughs> But you don't get traffic jams there. Yeah, and it was a, when I first moved there. It was a, it was a really nice, lovely place. Mm. Um, I still love it there, but I know it gets a lot of knife crime now and stuff like that, which is a, is a shame. But everywhere is getting knife crime. Mm. But it, that's one of the, the downsides of it. It's got more knife crime than London, apparently. Mm. In uh, per, you know, in the, in the population. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was a lovely place to live then, and I really enjoyed it. Childhood was good. Um, living what, in the what pub. was schooling like for you? Schooling. I did like school. Never used to bunk off. Yeah. I used to do go to school. I loved uh, certain lessons. Really interested me history. I loved Native American Indians and things like that, and uh, PE and stuff like mm. that. Um, started getting into fights because I was quite big. Um, I've always been fairly big. Uh, when I went to secondary school, which I was, is what for secondary school from the age of thirteen. I was obviously. yeah about 12, 12, 12. 12. So okay. I, was, I was six foot two at thirteen, and I would get. Uh, little gangs having a go at me. It was never one-on-one. -on -one, yeah. It was sort of gangs starting on me. So I started getting into fights. And um, I started weight training to, to protect, to get strong, to yeah. protect myself more than anything. And um, I was looking up to people like Arnold Schwarzenegger back back in the 80s, wasn't it? Because you're the yeah. same age as yeah, me. Yeah, it was yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, right. Still Bessie Stallone yeah. and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I, I pumping iron. Do you remember the film Pumping mm, Iron? Of course, yeah. Watching that and I was just bang on the weights. Yeah. And um, by the time I got to 15... I was about, same six foot two, but about 14 and a half stone. At 15? Yeah. yeah <laughs> and I just, I had, I was into fighters then as well. So street fighters, uh, boxers, the sort of, I heard about Lenny McLean. Yeah. And around my way, there was a man called Norman Buckland. Have you heard of Norman? Yeah, I have, yeah. Norman. Tough man. Very tough man, yeah. yeah. And he's not a bully, not a troublemaker. Yeah. So I sort of looked up to Norman, Cliff Fields was yeah. around my way. Yeah. Uh, these sort of men. That what I respected was, uh, I know people say Lenny was a bully, but I didn't know that at the time. Mm. And some people say that he's not, so he looked after people. But I looked at him as the opposite of a bully because they would fight a gang by himself. Yeah. So I looked at him as the anti-bully in my eyes, uh, especially Norman, because Norman I know very well and he's not a bully and looked up to them sort of brave fighters. Uh, Mike Tyson and people like that I looked up to and never thought about boxing. I just wanted to, I wanted to be strong and be able to look after myself mm. just to stop these people attacking. I got, I got into loads of fights at school. I had a gang come up with a baseball bat once, five or six of them. And I saw them coming and they hit me with a bat and I had a fight with them. And I just, I wouldn't go backwards though. I mm. wouldn't back off. And what sort of age are you here? 15. Murder, okay. 15. Was, why are they coming at you with a bat? Because what happened, I had a fight with one of the lads the day before, just a one-on-one. -on -one. They called the police. I got police. I got arrested for an ABH. And then the following day, the lad came up to school with about five of his mates with a bat. And I could see him coming across the field. 
And uh, I knew they were coming to, mm. to get me. I just carried on walking. I walked straight towards them because I thought I'm not going to back off. Mm. I had pride. Yeah, I had too much yeah, pride. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they surrounded me and they said, like, you had a fight with him yesterday. I said, yeah, no, I've been, I've been arrested for it. And they said something like, oh, what the police do to you is nothing compared to what we're going to do. And I went, well, come on then. And they hit me with a bat on the head. I just grabbed hold of him. And then he tried to hit me legs. They couldn't hurt me, really. Mm. <laughs> And then it all just diffused. I didn't attack them. They just hit me a few times and I just stood my ground. But it was like that quite a lot. This same, for, I get on with them all now. Mm. We're friends now. This is 30 odd years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I talked to them all now. Yeah. And I bumped into them a few other times and they smashed bottles and I stood my ground again. And they'd, loads of times it was that. And um, that's why I kept training doing the weights. Yeah. Just to be strong enough to look after myself. And by the time I got to 18, I was 18 and a half stone. 18 and a half stone. Yeah, okay. at 18 I was doing like 160 benches and yeah. things like that. For a young kid. For 18. not even a man really yet. Nah, yeah. nah. Well, I thought I was, yeah, but I yeah. wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I hit 18, because I was, I'd had loads of fights by that point. And, um, Did you enjoy fighting? No, I didn't, no. That's that, that, I think about that question a lot because I've had so many fights as a teenager and it, fighting's a scary thing. Mm. It is a scary thing. No matter how tough people are, it, you have got nerves during yeah. fights. And, I, and I've never start, I never start a fight. And I, all the fights I had were either for someone else or for people having a go at me. Mm. Um, so I'd get people starting on my friends. I, I would jump into someone else's fight that was nothing to do with me. If I thought it was unjust. What, just to split it up or get to, stuck in? Uh, well, if I, could if I can diffuse it and, and yeah. stop any further trouble, that's, that's the yeah. ideal option. Yeah. I'd rather diffuse it than make it worse. But mm. um, sometimes, yeah, I would kick off. I've been in a pub when I was 16 in a place called Toaster. And there was I looked over and there was about five or six older teenagers having a go at a young lad and he was in tears. I just walked over and got involved and said, if you want to pick on someone, pick on me. Mm. And went outside with these lads. I dealt with only one of them and the rest didn't want to know, but mm. that's the sort of thing I'd do. Yeah. I'd get involved in, in stuff that was nothing to do with me. Yeah. Just because I thought it was unfair. Mm. Uh, I've always had a thing about bullies, a dislike of bullies. Why um, Why is that? Does that stem from somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just because I was getting peep gangs on me from when I was young, maybe, and older lads. So I've always disliked anyone picking on people, especially gangs picking on people. Uh, so I've always been a fighter that I do it by myself. Mm. I'd, I'd, and I'd rather... I would rather have been outnumbered in them fights because it's more of a feeling of, I felt more, um, what's the word for it? Moral, morally, mm. if I'm fighting a gang, there's no, it's a win-win mm. because I can't be a bully for fighting a gang. Mm. And most of the fights were like that. You know, if you gang, when you see nowadays a gang of 10 people jumping on one person, yeah. and I think to myself, well, where's the honour and, the, and yeah. the pride in that? There's no, what do they go and say, oh, well done, we've got that one lad. Mm. Well, especially now where everyone's carrying. Back yeah. then, people probably weren't carrying knives. They were no, knives not, about, but there wasn't a lot, was there, at all in that, that in those times? Not Nowhere near as much. Yeah. I mean, my my, my um, middle son, uh, he's 17 now, he got attacked by about nine lads, pulled machetes out and sticks on him. And he was he was only 15 or 16. He fought him. Oh, he fought him. Mm. And he had to run into a shop, in a shop doorway, and try and fight him off. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all gangs now. And... Um, why do you why do you think that you were attracted to people starting on you? Was it because of your size, you reckon? Yeah, because I was always in pubs as well. Yeah. So I was drinking from 13. I was going in pubs at 14, 15. Mm. That probably didn't help. 
and, and the people I, I was involved in, well, I got arrested three times for ABHs at the age of 15. Three times? Three ABH. times. ABHs, three separate ABHs. Three separate ones. One was, one was um, I was on my BMX with my mate on the back yeah. and these three lads barged me, tried to barge me off the bike, older lads as well, again. So I picked up a bit of wood <laughs> and, and, and hit the, the biggest one out a lot. But, I, but I, they started it. As far as I was concerned, <laughs> I can I can justify it because they started it. <laughs> and it's when you're 15, I had, I had something to prove. I wanted to, to people to stop picking on me. Mm. So I thought if you get a reputation, maybe it will stop. Mm. But what I found was uh, when you get a reputation of being a fighter, the, you tend to, the, the trouble didn't stop. But what happened was it would always be a gang or they'd always have weapons. Yeah. So no, you'd never get a one-on-one -on -one type situation. Yeah. Um, so it sort of, in a way, it went the other way. Mm. And what happened? What happened at the age of eighteen for you? The direction you took as an adult? It was more. I think it was seventeen. Mm. Uh, I got involved with a firm that were doing some work in Milton Keynes, uh, quite a big firm. And back then, it was solid bars. You know the puff. Yeah. It was solid back yeah. then. And I got involved with a firm, everyone was doing that back then. So yeah. I got involved with his firm and sort of used as muscle, yeah. driving, that sort of stuff. Um, got involved with that. So then it went up to the next level. I went abroad with them as well. They asked me to go abroad. Whereabouts? Whereabouts? It was in Europe. Yeah. In Europe. Whereabouts? <laughs> Amsterdam. Okay, then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and they were doing big things over there and he got shot over there. My boss was uh, shot. I flew back, I was there for a while. I flew back, um, he was in Britain actually, he was back in Britain, but we both had a flat over there. I flew back to Britain. He then flew back over there. I've been there for a few months at that point. He flew back, asked me to come back over and I said, nah, I'm not, I'm going my own way. Could you sense something was on top? Nah, nah okay. no, no, no. I, as far as I was concerned, everything was sound. I didn't know what was going on because I wasn't really part of what he was doing. I was, I was involved, but not. I didn't know with the business bit that he was what he was doing behind the scenes. Uh, I flew back, and then um, he tried to get me to come back over, and I didn't go. And then he was found shot in his car, uh, maybe a couple of months later. But I was involved with that with that firm for a couple of years, good two or three years. And what was your day to day like? Oh, out, out in the dam, out in Amsterdam. What what were you used for? Well, it was. Pretty much one day a week, I'd go and grab um, a bit of money, pick yeah. up some money. And another day I would go and drop, drive something off, drop something off to a fella who would then go back over. And did you know what you were dropping off in the back of the car? Yeah, yeah. You did? Yeah. And then what happened? Well, because, and then when Interpol um, came over to interview me, this is after he was found uh, in the car. Interpol came over, it was in the newspaper, in, in the, our local newspaper, it's a gangland execution. Um, but then there was other talk of suicide, but in the newspaper, gangland execution, and they said, they seemed to have knew a lot about what was going on. And on the day of his funeral, um, he was only 24 at the time, I think, day of his funeral, uh, I'm, I'm waiting to go to the funeral, my dad called me up and said, Interpol and all the police are here to interview you. And I said, um, it, well, they'll have to wait because I'm at the funeral. I said, what, what do they want to interview me about? Because obviously when we lived over there, we went into flat in my name. Mm. We tossed a coin as to the who, whose name we'd 
went to the flat and it, my passport we used. So Interpol come over to interview me and I said, well, I'll, I'll talk to them because I've got nothing to hide. Yeah. There's nothing to hide. They'll have to wait though till after the thing. So I was going to say, yeah, I was over there with him, but I'm just training. We're just doing training together and whatnot. And uh, after the funeral, rung my dad up. He said, they've gone. That's it. They never, they never came back. But I knew then my cards were marked yeah. in terms of any business I wanted to do mm. down that route because they obviously knew I was associated with, mm. with them. Was, was, were, were things smooth running out there when you were out there for those months? Yeah. 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 So you were dropping off, collecting, dropping off, collecting. Yeah, yeah. it was like just two days a week. Yeah. And the rest of the days we were just training. Yeah. Go to the gym and train and um, just go and get Jackie potatoes in the cafes and stuff. Yeah. Just straightforward. What was the feeling like when you found out when your mate got shot? I was just, I just couldn't believe it. I was mm. gutted, gutted. Um, and it made me think, um, would it have been different if I'd have gone over there when they'd asked me to go back over there? Could I have changed it or, or, or um, I, I wanted to know what actually happened was the main thing. Um, newspapers seemed to know a lot about it, but then other people said it was a suicide and there was a note on a cigarette packet. I, how there was two separate stories so different to each other I don't know what do you think happened I'm still not sure okay still not I'm still not 100% sure but um yeah yeah so what we're talking in mid 90s mid 90s mid 90s when you landed back and this all happened and things were coming on top did it make you think right I need to get out of this or did you carry on what was your movements after that um I started working for myself yeah with the same thing doing the same just a bit of puff there that was it. What, dropping off, collecting, dropping off? Just, just doing it for myself. Doing it yourself, yeah. okay. Earning yeah. more money doing that than f for someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing it myself. And um, I still worked, I was still doing jobs. I still, I like manual jobs, you know, yeah. like um, I like lifting stuff, yeah. physical jobs, because I'm into training. Yeah. And um, uh, this was about the same time I went to prison as well. And um, the prison was a big thing to me because I didn't do it a long time. Um, it's when I first started boxing. That was at 18 years old as well. So I got into some fights. I had um, another three fights this was. Um, it was, one was a fight with St. Dorman on a Friday night that threw my, were trying to throw my mate down the stairs. Mm. So I've seen them trying to throw him down the stairs. I've got jumped in to help him. And I had a fight with the doorman and the police came in. I had a fight with the police as well. <laughs> All at 18? 18, yeah. But I was big. I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like same, sort, same yeah, 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 size yeah. as I am now. Um, what are you weighing in at today, roughly? I think I, I'm, a, I'm about 20 stone 20 now. Stone but now. I, was, I was about 18 and a half stone yeah. then. <laughs> I put a bit of weight on yeah. <laughs> in the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, but I had a fight with a doorman on that, on that night in the police. Got arrested. Got out of the police station on a Saturday afternoon. And it was alleged I got into a fight. Uh, got, it was alleged I got attacked by a gang the following night. And... Me and my mate, this is what this in it said in the paperwork, um, because I was never um, charged with it in the end. It was alleged that um, we had a fight with a gang. I think it was about eight or nine people, and there was broken bones and cut heads and mm. things like that in this alleged one. So that was that was them two. I was on on um, bail for, mm. and then about a month after that, I was walking past, <laughs> walking out of a nightclub, and I saw a friend of mine being arrested. I didn't even know what it was, what it was for. And I thought the police were being a bit rough with him. Because mm. I had a thing about the police as mm. well when I was younger. I had a, I had a, a bad, what's the word? Bad relationship yeah. with the police. Yeah. Because they'd strangled me when I was a 
about 15, 16, on my motorbike. They'd knock me off my, my little 50cc bike and strangled me with a torch and then hit me. So I'd, I'd never got on with them. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw the police, this is when I was 18 now again, I saw the mm. police uh, manhandling my mate. So I said, look, Lee, calm down. You ain't got to chuck him around. Like, mm. They had to go at me and I've just attacked them again. <laughs> so that was three, 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 three violent things yeah. within about a month. So the police said, they reminded me straight away because you can't have three violent. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you can't have three violent yeah. ones. And I went to Woodhill, um, nineteen ninety four. That what was. did you get? What was your sentence? Um, it was a, it was, I think three, three or four months for each one, but they ran it all concurrent. Yeah, they ran them all concurrently, so it was all. Just, I, I was out within a few months. Yeah, so I went in ninety four, and I came out ninety five. Um, and that was that. I got. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't wasn't a great deal, but um, the positive thing that came out of, of the prison was um, Norman Buckland was in there. Ah, okay. That's where you met him. Well, I knew him anyway. Okay. I knew him from. It, yeah. yeah, I used to because he was a legend around yeah. around the area, and I used to see him on the doors, or I used to see him in the gym, even when I was fourteen, fifteen years old. So Norman then said to me, and he great advice, and I was recommending this to anybody. Uh, he said get into sports, get into something to put, rather than putting your strength and all your aggression into that, put it into sports, mm. boxing. And we said, um, yeah, I said, yeah, it sounds good to me. And we tried to get gloves in the prison, uh, head guards, gum shields, and all that sort of stuff. And the prison authorities wouldn't, wouldn't allow mm. it. Because I was on the YP wing mm. then. But what happened, Norman, they brought Norman on the YP wing to try and calm them down. Because mm. young offenders are the worst ones, yeah. aren't they, in terms of trouble. Yeah. So when the YP wing, we tried to get gloves, wouldn't wouldn't allow it. So me and Norman used to go and my very first ever bit of boxing was me and Norman putting a, wrapping a pair of socks around our knuckles and sparring mm. in the in the shower area. Yeah. So like a fight, me and Norman, and yeah. he's one of the hardest men in England at the time. <laughs> and I loved it though because it was like it was tough, and it mm. was what I, what I, I thought it was going to toughen me up. Mm. I can only get tougher from this. And we used to spar and I'd come out of black eyes and all the young offenders, all the YPs would be watching through the window. The screws would come out and go, what are you doing? And you're not meant to be doing that. <laughs> but we'd just keep on doing it, me and Norman, and that was it. So I'm eternally grateful to him for in encouraging me to box. Because mm. that, was, that was the start of it. So when you come out, were you, were you, was your attitude, right, I need to get into boxing, I need to channel my energy now at the age of 19 yeah. and really go for this boxing thing? Yeah, yeah okay. it was. So it was. I started off the amateur boxing, and I did love it. I loved the training because um, uh, the, the exercise and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I need that to keep me from having low moods, yeah. depression. So I think because I've trained for so long, weight training initially, and then boxing. I think because of all them years of training, that serotonin you yeah. release. I think you don't get. It's like an addiction. The training is like an addiction. Yeah. You train, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And once you yeah. have done that for so many years, it's a necessity. It has to be in your life. Yeah, I agree. Because if you don't do it, you on my mood. Your mind dip. wanders. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, within a day yeah. or two days, if I don't do that routine of training, and if you don't train and you eat crap as well, that's uh, a double whammy. And that's what happens yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go off the rails, yeah. Like I've done it many times on the drink and all that, and yeah. you start drinking, eating the junk. Yeah. No ex, sit in your house. Yeah. It's the worst. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I would I say to a lot of people on my on my YouTube channel, mm. always get up and about. If you feel low, get up and about. Get out in the fresh air. Yeah. Eat good food, 
antioxidants. I do cold baths and everything yeah. now. Um, so yeah, I love the boxing training back then. Start I had my first amateur fight, eighteen or nineteen. And where where were you in the country? You still in Milton Keynes? Okay, okay. Yeah, Milton Keynes. Okay. Yeah, I had my first amateur fight. Won that. Uh, went out drinking. Didn't really care about boxing again. I used to have a fight and not care. Yeah. Then I came back. Had another few fights. Won all them. Um, I fought quite a few. I fought all the champions as an amateur. I didn't take it seriously. But when I did take it seriously, uh, I fought quite a few good champion London champ I beat Western Counties champ I beat um, I had 15 fights and I lost two both to the same man he was the double ABA champ so who was that what's his name Matthew Granger okay. excuse me yeah Matthew Granger he was the number one in the country and he beat me by one point and two points annoying <laughs> yeah and the second time I fought yeah. him I thought I'm going to I'm going to get him this time because yeah. I'm a lot I'm, I've improved yeah but it was in the ABA final. So whoever won would be the number one in the country. Mm. And he beat me, yeah, by one point. Did you have anyone when you were in the boxing gyms who grabbed hold of you and went, Matt, you're super talented, mate. You're super strong. You're quick. You've got the right mind for it. We just need to ch channel. We need to channel it. Get off the booze and channel it. Who was that? Was yeah. anyone around? Yeah, Kev McCarthy, who's a good trainer and a good ex-pro. He, he always said, you're wasting your talent. Norman would say it. My friends and fa everyone would say my friends and family. Uh, they would say because I used to go partying on a Friday and I'd stay out till Sunday. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you've done yeah, it. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, nightclubs. And stuff, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not one of them people that once I do something, it's all or nothing. Yeah. So if if I'm going healthy, it's all or nothing. Yeah. If I'm going the other way, partying, yeah. it will be all or nothing. Yeah. So I can do a free two, three days. I can't anymore, but I could then. I could Back do then, two of easy two, three day session. Yeah, yeah. and um, I've been good for two, two and a half years now with, in regards to doing anything like that. Um, it's no good for for your mental health, your physical health. It just makes you feel like crap. Yeah, it's good at the time. You're having fun, house parties yeah. in people's kitchens, yeah. meeting new people, having yeah. a laugh, music, opening, open, you open, open up. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's great, but. That feeling of the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's not just the Monday. It's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, first eating crap, feeling like crap. Yeah. Don't want to train. Don't want to lift. Yeah. It's a horrible, it's horrible. effect, isn't it? The negative effects outweigh the positive. Yeah. So I, I, I say to everyone, to, to my kids especially, I say, don't get involved in doing drink and drugs. And, yeah. um, drinking is the biggest one for me because drinking is what leads on to the other stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't do any... You don't, we don't meet anyone who does... Well, I have met quite a few, well, not a lot, but you, most people have a couple of pints and go and get... A, a gram of bugle in or yeah. a couple of grams or whatever or a couple of pills or whatever you don't just do that dry no no it's not it don't, it there feel. are people who do yeah I couldn't do no. that I have to take yeah. the edge off with a yeah. with drink when I was doing it yeah um, but yeah same thing once you do them two or three pints if I go out in a pub in Milton Keynes now I, I will get roped into it yeah. that's why I avoid it now are you easily led um, probably yeah. yeah like after the first couple of pints <laughs> if someone says do you want to live now, I'll say yeah <laughs> so what I do now I can't go out in the, in Milton Keynes because yeah. <laughs> it will definitely happen. Yeah. I went out a few months back and it happened. I went out to a charity boxing show in the afternoon. Had a f within the first drink, I thought, oh, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know. I'm going to be done. Yeah. And I came back a, a day later, yeah. 24 hours later, and that was the last time I did it and the first time in two years. Mm. And um, yeah, I won't do it again. I don't so tell, tell me about that journey then. You've come out of prison you're thinking, right, I'm going to follow this through. You're still partying. And then you're going, right, someone's grabbed hold of you and gone, right, you can take this seriously now. Do you know what I mean? You're powerful, you're quick, you're strong. I think you've got something here. 
What was yeah. that journey? What did that journey look like when you were at your 15 fights? You'd won 13, you lost two to the same fella. Yeah. What was that journey after that like? So what happened was during, you know, in the boxing, you get the ABAs. So mm. when I did the ABAs, I went from the novices and I beat all the novice champions within about three weeks. I knocked them all out as well. So I got, it's on my YouTube channel, mm. all the videos of them. So I got knock out there, knock out there, knock out there. Then I got, I was a novice champion of England. So then they put me into the senior one, which is where you fight the best of the best in mm. the country. And I, I got all the way through to the final and I got another couple of knockouts on the way, but these are the best in the country. So as that was, as this was going on, my trainer was Ricky English. Mm. Do you know Ricky English? Mm. Ricky used to do a lot of the unlicensed shows with Joey Pyle. Mm. They were put on all the governor fights, yeah. the, the later governor fights, not the originals. So Ricky, Ricky was my trainer, a brilliant trainer, really improved me, got me fighting like, um, he saw, he saw- Tyson? Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. Like you're going in close, bang, 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 yeah. good night. I'm glad, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, because I don't consider myself a big heavyweight, I'm six foot two, but there's a lot of bigger ones. Yeah. So I preferred fighting the tall six foot five ones, because I made myself low. Yeah. And crouch, and Ricky got me rolling. Yeah. Every time you throw a punch, I'd roll. Like if you watch me against AJ, I know it only lasted a round, but I was rolling well, underneath yeah. his shots. Yeah. So he was throwing shots and I, for the first bit, I was avoiding them. Yeah. But we'll get to that, yeah. So I, Ricky got me in that style. And then as this was going on, he contacted Frank Maloney yeah. and now Kelly, Kelly, Maloney, yeah. Kelly Maloney, yeah. So back she, then- She's coming on. Oh, Kelly? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lives out in Portugal, but yeah, oh, she's oh, coming yeah. on That'd be amazing, be yeah. amazing, man. Give my regards. Yeah, we'll, yeah. yeah. Well, that, Kelly was my first manager. Yeah. So Frank. Frank, back then, back Frank. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Frank then, four, I had my first four fights under professional fights. So what happened was, before the professional, in the amateurs, the last few amateur fights, Frank Maloney came to watch me. Mm. So he travelled all around the country to all my different amateur fights. Brilliant. And he was watching me and he said to me, no matter what happens in the ABO final, I will sign you up. Is that what he said? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, and, he, and he gave me the, the money, the contract and the money. And he went, I'll sign you up to be professional in Sports Network, which was Frank Warren was the my promoter yeah. and Frank Maloney was my manager. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. When I first started wow. off, yeah. Okay. So when I lost the final, I was like, oh, he probably won't do it. But he said, nah, same. Kept his word. Uh, yeah, kept his word. Same money, same deal. Do you remember the money, how much it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. It was good money. Roughly. It was good money. Roughly. It, was, it was four and a half grand a fight for yeah. four round. And I got 10% of the ticket deal a ticket so that's good money because yeah. there's professionals now getting a grand less than a grand yeah. and this is mid 90s still mid, uh, 2001, Two 2001 okay so we've gone on to 2000 okay so for a four, and, and the good thing about their contract was they don't take any money sports network don't take money until you're on 10 grand a fight right which is I thought brilliant it's a touch isn't it brilliant so I was getting good money and uh, did he sign you up for a number of fights yeah yeah he was um, between 6 and 8 fights a year or, or something like that as many as certain le level of fights. Uh, do you so many four-rounders, then you do your six-rounders. And it was all on good shows, good undercards. People like, um, I fought on Johnny Nelson's undercard, uh, fought on Mark Potter, fought on a few of the shows with me, and Danny Williams, Julius Francis. Yeah, I'll call it. That was my pro debut. So my pro debut, I got in the ring just after Danny Williams and Julius Francis yeah. got out of, of the second fight. Amazing. Where was that? That was Wembley Arena. Was it Arena? Was so my, it? Yeah. <laughs> so my pro debut was Wembley Arena. Yeah. My first fight. And my last fight was Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Which is crazy. Which is what, 12, 13 years later? Yeah, it was 13 yeah. years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So between that period then, what was it like dealing with Frank? Because he was a 
Frank Maloney because he's yeah. a proper character. Yeah, he was sound. Yeah, sound really got on with him. Yeah. yeah, really got on with him. And as you were building that relationship with him over those, those fight periods, how many years did that last for? Um, so I was with Frank for the first year and then I lost the fight for Sports Network and it disheartened me. Okay. And I got off the coach on the way home and I went out with my mates on a, on a session drinking and partying and doing all sorts for two or three days and then yeah. I didn't box again for six years. So I didn't speak to, didn't see Frank again. And then I just went off doing other bits of crime again, debt collecting jobs, um, all sorts of things like that. What was going through your, what was going through your mind at that point? Going, hold on a minute, I've got something. I've got something really good here. Is it because you lost that fight? You were like, right, I need to. Yeah, I just lost the fight and thought, I just, just yeah, gutted. What self belief? Possibly, possibly a little bit of self belief. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I've, I always think the reason I used to drink a lot is because it made me more confident to talk to people because I was fairly quiet. So maybe a bit of self-belief, possibly, yeah. And in that six-year period, what were you doing? Debt collecting? Earth debt collecting, um, helping people out in situations. I like to, if I can, mediate and, and stop trouble happening if yeah. I can. I used, to, I used to get a lot of phone calls to, can you help me out? So-and-so's having a go at me. And I'd try and diffuse it the best way possible so everyone's happy. Yeah. Um, rather than you do it another way and everyone's, you upset everyone. I'd rather... Mm mediate and stop trouble if mm. I can. But I used to do all stuff like that. Debt collecting I used to do a lot of, but I would always try and do debt collecting um, just without having to, I'd never make any threats. Yeah. I'd knock, if they owed the money, I'd knock on the door and just say, look, you, you owe so-and-so, you can, can you pay it and how, how much can you pay? Yeah. I never wanted to threaten anyone, never wanted to be a bully or a troublemaker. I've done debt jobs before when I've asked to go on a debt, and as the bloke I'm with, he's having a go at the bloke about the money, his kids have walked in the background and I've and I've pulled them away. Yeah. I've gone, no. Don't, not yet. And I've ruined the debt for him. Yeah. We had to drive about an hour to get there. The minute I saw the kids in the background, yeah. I went, nah. Good for you. And I stopped it, because mm. I've, I've probably got too much of a conscience to do, to be involved in crime, really. Yeah, yeah. well it comes back to your old man. Yeah. You know what I mean what you're saying here about the loyal and telling the truth and the morals and everything else, it comes back to yeah. that guidance. I think I, I was brought up to treat people how you want to be treated yeah, yourself. With respect. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how I treat people. I always treat people with respect, no matter who they are. Um, I treat everyone the same as well. Yeah, Don't same. matter what level, there's no levels. Everyone's equally yeah. deserved of being respected. Yeah. In that six year period, did you ever get yourself in a proper trouble? Uh, well, after that, in that, in that six year period when you gave up boxing and you said, right, I'm going on a bender, I'm, I'm sacking the boxing off. Did you ever get into trouble in that period? Yeah, I had a fight, another fight with the police. It's <laughs> <laughs> a common thing, yeah. there, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't, I've got nothing against the police. Yeah. I, I've learned now this was a, this was a, a silly thing that I carried from being young when they strangled me yeah. when I was a kid. Um, and now I, I know they're just doing their job, and yeah. I shouldn't have judged all of them on that one officer yeah. for doing what he did. So yeah, when they, you when you were fifteen, I was fifteen, okay, and they yeah. strangled me yeah, yeah, yeah. and hit me with a truncheon. And so. Yeah. I was only on a little 50cc motorbike. Yeah. So I, I judged them all as bullies, but yeah. they're not. And I've got, no, I've got friends that are in the police force. My mate from school was in the police yeah. force. So, but um, yeah, what, this occasion, they were, they were watching me. The police must have been watching me, unbeknownst to me. I've left my house. This is one o'clock in the afternoon. I had a Golf ER6 back then. And as I've gone out, um, I had a mate in the car. There's a car behind me and it was um, right following me. But I could see the lights at the bottom. It was an unmarked car. Mm. I've just driven around the village trying to shake them off and they didn't. So I've let my mate out 
a street up from where I live. I run my brother, my younger brother, who's about 10 at the time. Mm. I went, unlock the front door because I'm going to be running through in a minute. <laughs> my plan was just to park in the next street, run through the alleyway and just run into the house. Mm. And I don't know why, because I wasn't actually doing anything that wrong. I, mm. I may not have had a license or so. It might yeah. have been something like that. <laughs> so I parked in the, as I've gone to pull over in the street up from mine, I got out of the car, the police car's unmarked, but it's got, it's driven into me. So that's the second time I've been run over by them. And I fell onto the windscreen. And that just made me angry. So, so they've driven it into you? Driven into me. the car? No, me. Oh, wow. So I've, okay. got, I've got out of the car, <laughs> shut my car door, yeah. gone to go down the alleyway, and the police car's just hit me, and I fell on the windscreen. And they ran me over when I was young as well. So then I've just lost my temper. I opened the door of the police car, hit <laughs> the copper, and thought, oh, what am I doing? I'm meant to be out of all this. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And I've just turned to run off, and then he started chasing me. So I've just turned back and ran at him. And as I run at him, <laughs> he's um, sprayed me with um, CS gas, yeah. which didn't really do anything. It landed in my face and my chair didn't do anything. I just chased him around the car. But as I'm chasing him around his own car, the um, I heard sirens coming. So he must have radioed for backup yeah. during the initial chase. Yeah. <clears throat> so as I heard the sirens, I've, I've ran, covered in gas, where he gassed me twice. He has mm. gassed me again as I was chasing him. And um, now I'm not glorifying this. This is just what happened. Yeah. I would never dream of doing that now. This yeah. is just young and stupid. And I was angry that I got run over. Yeah. As I've gone to run back to my street, I've run down a road and three or four more police cars have turned up. Um, I try to jump through a gap between a wall and the police car. And I just opened the door and I hit the door. Uh, they've all got out, got hold of me. They all got gassed from the gas on me. And they're all on the floor coughing. I goes, what are you on the floor for? I've got gas, not you lot. They're all on the floor. <laughs> I was standing there cuffed up. And um, uh, I got arrested, took back to the police station. They had to get this air air blower to blow all the gas off me before they let you in the police station. Yeah. <laughs> so they blew all the, get all the gas off me. And um, I just said to them, look, I've been getting, um, I didn't know who was following me and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think I got, I can't remember what I got for that. But um, it, was, it wasn't as bad as I expected. Mm. But that was the last sort of time I think I got. Can you remember what you got for that? For I can't remember what I got. Whacking a copper. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't prison. It wasn't. No, the first ones I did were prison. Yeah, this one wasn't. I think I said to him something like, "I've been getting, I've been getting." I didn't know who was behind me. Yeah. I said, "I didn't know it was a police car." So then, then I've been run over. So it was, I'm Reaction. thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. That was my excuse. Mate, that was a proper good excuse. You got away yeah, with that because if you hadn't yeah. run me over, I probably wouldn't have got away with it. Yeah. I wouldn't have. I just said, if it, and if it had been a marked car, I think then, yeah, different story, but it was an unmarked car. So I might have got um, the maximum amount of community service. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was another time I had a fight with the police, yeah. There's a, there's a theme going on here, isn't there? Yeah. Was that the last time you had a fight with That was the last girl? time. I was in my early 20s then. Yeah. So what that six-year period, what was that six-year period like? And what was, the, what was the point when you went, I need to get focused again and get back into boxing? Um, was, there, was there one moment? I think I just watched what I was doing. I was watching the professionals on telly and I'm looking at these up and coming professionals thinking that I can beat them. Yeah. I can beat, I can beat them. What am I doing? And then I think it, maybe Derek Chisora came on and I thought, and I watched him. I ended up sparring Derek Chisora four times. And honestly, yeah, I proper put it on him as well. And I was happy with how the sparring yeah. went. He got out and went home one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> can you talk are you allowed to talk about when you're sparring or is that all hush hush if someone knocked each other out or did you well, can or, talk about it yeah people people always talk about it do you um, talk about it 
I've, talk, I've spoke about it on my channel. So on Chisora, what was it like having a tear up with him? I found it, I've, well, bearing in mind, he was on his way up then. So we'd had about eight or nine fights each, or maybe I'd had about seven. He might've had, yeah, about seven fights yeah. each. But I'd been pro a lot longer. So I've, I, I've just put it on him. I literally attacked him and he was just quite, he was wary of me. Yeah. Which is surprising when you look at how game he is now. Yeah. I think maybe he hadn't found his full bottle or courage then yeah. in the game, but I just put it on him a bit and we had a tough, tough spar and I just backed him up, hit him with some body shots. Um, I, was, I sparred everybody, but I sparred... Um, Have you sparred Tyson Fury? Yeah, yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah. That, that, I landed one punch. He, he put Tyson Fury put on Facebook... Um, all you British heavyweight, this is when he was on Facebook, yeah. so he's probably British level what, back then. What year are we talking here, roughly? I'd say 2010. Okay. Uh, maybe, a bit, maybe a bit after. But yeah. he, he put, all you British heavyweights, you're all pussies. None of you will spar me, let alone fight me. So my mate run me up and said, have you seen this? I went on the Facebook, I went, Tyson, I'll spar you. How much are you paying? And he put 10 grand if you can knock me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I went, I went, all right, what if I don't knock you out? How much are you paying? It was good money. I think it was like 350, 400 quid for four rounds. What, to go and spar with him? Four rounds, that was it. Okay. So I said, I'll come, I'll come tomorrow to Manchester tomorrow. And I got on the train on my own the next day, went to Manchester. Tyson picked me up with his brother Shane from the train station. Yeah. Drove me to the car, it was on the caravan site. Peter Fury had a caravan site. And me, Tyson and Shane... Just got warmed up. Shane did the first round with Tyson. I did the second. We did it like that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was hard. Even them. So what's it like fighting a six foot nine? Like that's another level, right? Yeah, it's, it was. And it, the speed yeah, and the movement. Just, and his boxing IQ. Yeah. It, was, it was, someone summed it up well. They said, when you spar him, it's almost like he's in the opposite corner still, but he's hitting you. <laughs> he's that long. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't do my normal slip to get in because he just back up. He's just, just amazing talent. I said to everyone then, he, he will be a world champion. I said he will be a world champion. I sparred him again another time, a few years later, when he, uh, maybe 2013. I sparred Huey Fury first for a couple of rounds. I think I sparred Eli Frankham and then Tyson was watching and he jumped in the ring unexpectedly at the end. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and he just played with me for one round. He, he went around me so quickly on his feet, throwing jabs. I couldn't even set myself. Yeah. And I thought, wow, he's just, his, his movement, unless, unless you're in with him, he looks, people used to say he looks uh, ungainly and all that stuff, but he's so effective when yeah. you're in with him. The speed and his little feints and, um, yeah, that was a tough spar. But I sparred with um, Danny Williams, Mark Potter, uh, Sam Sexton. Yeah, he Sam Sexton peppered me with shots. I couldn't really do a lot with Sam Sexton. Uh it was Matt Skelton, me Matt and Matt. Skelton, yeah. Done 150 rounds with Skelton. Yeah. yeah. I've got I've got some videos on my YouTube channel with me and Matt. We had some good wars. Every morning, six rounds. I'd go I was I was his main sparring partner for about five or six of his fights. Mm. So some good tough spars with Matt. Yeah. Was there a point where you're saying, I'm pro, but I need to actually earn some proper money from this? Was there a point where you can go, right, I'm earning proper money, it's worth my while? Um I was always hoping to build up to that. Like initially, I wanted to get the Southern Area. I was lined up for the Southern Area title just after the AJ fight. Um, but because of that, uh, the pride of broken eye socket. But I always thought I will get to that certain level. I was hoping to get to maybe English level or British level. And going on the sparring, I, did, I sparred John McDermott a few times. Mm. And 
going on the sparring, I thought I will get to British level. Mm. That, was my, that was my goal. But I just wasn't consistent enough, I think. And maybe I wouldn't have got fit enough because I could only spar six to eight rounds. And yeah. I wasn't a 12-round fighter. And it's the next level of fitness to do 12. But I was hoping to get to that level. So, so that that sort of year, that 2012, 2013, what are you, like 36, 35, 34, early 30s? What year, 2013? Yeah, 2013. Yeah, 10 years ago, I was 10, 36. 36. Did you find that you were at your peak then? Or did you feel that you had another gear to go? Yeah, on? I felt like I could still do more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt I felt like I was at my peak about a year ago when I was training boxers. I felt like I'd learned so much from training people, different yeah. defences and... But then you just always, maybe as a fighter, you always feel like you can do it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And what was the point where you got the phone call to come and fight Anthony Joshua? Yeah. I was on a building site in um, Milton Keynes. It was the Don's, the Milton Keynes Don Stadium. I was lifting um, plasterboard upstairs, which I, I really loved. Two blokes were doing it before. And then I started and I was doing it by myself, 44 kilo boards. And I was doing 100 a day up. I think, it was, I can't remember how many stairs. It was a lot of stairs. But it was a hundred sheets of four, that's four and a half tons yeah. of, of plasterboard yeah. a day. I loved it because it was a workout. Yeah. And then my manager called up and said, um, uh, Anthony Joshua's team have offered the AJ fight. And I went, he goes at Wembley Stadium for the on the Carl Foch George Groves rematch. I went, 100%, I'll take it. I would have done it for free. If they yeah. had said, if they had said, but the only thing is you've got to do it for nothing, I would have gone, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was an opportunity to fight on that massive show. Yeah. At the time, the biggest show in Britain. That's right. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I think I had about six or seven weeks to train for it. Sparred with Tom Little. Joe Tom yeah, Little. Yeah. Sparred with Tom Little because he's six foot five. Sparred with Eli Frankham and a few other good lads. So you had six weeks to train for the Anthony Joshua yeah. fight. Yeah. And he was, what, that was his six, six. That was his six fight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and he knocked deal. everyone out. He knocked everyone out in the first one or two rounds, yeah. same as he did with me, but yeah. no, apparently there was no one in Britain that would fight him. They'd asked for other British opponents, but nobody would fight him, obviously because of how dangerous he was. Yeah. And someone someone apparently said, I know we'll fight him, Matt Legg will fight him. <laughs> and they rang me up and I said, yeah, straight away. How much did you get paid for that fight? Um, it was eight, eight grand. But the bloke before me got, I think four. Yeah. Eight grand, but I got some sponsorship money. So about, altogether about 11. Um, and I had another fight in the same month before, about three or four weeks earlier. No, maybe four weeks earlier. And I had another fight, which I got a second round knockout win. Mm. And that, I got a few grand off that. So I had a good month. Yeah. But I spent it all in about three. I've done it on a holiday, Turkey. <laughs> I spent it all. But yeah, it was, it was my biggest biggest payday. But um, yeah. what was going through your head thinking, right, I've got six weeks to train Manny Josh. You must have known his reputation, or did yeah. you not care at the time? I just thought. Well, we had a tactic. My, my trainer said, we're going to go all out for two rounds. Yeah, I've seen it. You, did, you went for it as well, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's my style anyway. Yeah. So all out for two rounds, head movement, getting low, and try and catch him with a shot, with a big shot, which I tried. People don't realise how big he is. I mean, he's... 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six, uh, 18, six, 19. He was 17 stone. 17 stone, stone yeah. But he's just, yeah, he's a specimen, and, and he hits so hard as well. Even if you block, even if you block, it goes through your gloves. Mm. Um, but before the before the fight, I was I was actually confident I could catch him. I had that that belief in myself, which was yeah, it was crazy really. But um, Anthony had actually known me since he was young because I boxed in Watford. A lot of my okay. amateur fights yeah, yeah, yeah. were with Ricky English in Watford, and 
unbeknownst to me, Anthony Joshua had followed my amateur career. And he said to Ricky, yeah, I want to be like, apparently he said, I want to be like Matt one day. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and I asked him, I asked him. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't, I thought, no, nah, that can't be true. Yeah. So when I, when I fought him the day before at the press conference at Wembley, I said to Anthony, is it true that you used to sort of watch me when I was an amateur? He went, yeah. He goes, I've always supported you, Matt, when I was young. I could, that blew my mind, that did. That's quality. Yeah. What was that feeling like in the build-up to it? Was there any nerves? Yeah, there was more nerves in that one than any other fight. Okay. Um, I wasn't nervous against James Tony really. And none of my other opponents, I got too nervous. I had a good way to handle my nerves before fights. I equated it to, because I'd had so many situations on the street, you know, when you have a street fight, mm. it's more, I look at that as being more dangerous. Mm. If you've got a gang of people fighting you, sometimes with weapons and mm. like I've had knuckle dusters on the head and on the jaw, I've had my jaw broke. So a boxing match to me is a safer thing. Yeah. Cause you've got gloves on and yeah. you've got a ref. Yeah. It, 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 that's how I look at yeah. it. And, and I always look at Mike Tyson saying that he used to get nervous. Mm. So the fact that Mike Tyson could get nervous made me think, oh, it relaxed me. I felt relaxed. And I always know once the bell, bell rings, your nerves go anyway. Mm. So as a fighter, you think, well, there's no point in getting too nervous because once the bell goes, I'll be all right anyway. Mm. And you got, yeah, and the following day, that's it, it's over and done with. But that feeling, walking out of Wembley. Yeah, that was different. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that was a bit more daunting. Yeah. Because of the scale of it. Yeah. Yeah, the scale, and you could, the crowd, even though there was only... 30,000 people there, it's still massive, isn't it, it's Wembley? massive. And uh, and you're fighting someone who's yeah, destroying everyone and breaking bones and stuff, so. Mm. What was that feeling, that uppercut like? Well, he got me with one before that. Yeah. The, the, the end one was, was was painful, but the one, he got me with one before that, which looks like the one where my head goes up. Yeah. But that, that one I took all right, and he got me with a few, but the one at the end, yeah, painful. So as I'm trying to get up, I, I thought blood was pouring out my eyes and I couldn't see for, for a couple of seconds. Um, and I've sort of got, tried to get up. I got up about nine, but I was done anyway. Couldn't, couldn't see out my eyes. But even when he hit me just before that and I tried to block him through the gloves, he, it goes through your gloves. There's nowhere to hide. Mate, fair play, mate. Ballsy getting in with him. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah, Massive yeah. respect. It was the most daunting one, yeah. yeah. It was out of all of them, yeah. Did you know at that time when you fought him that he's going to be world champion? Yeah, I thought he would. I thought he would. He's, he was a different level to people I'd fought. And then he, he, he took Matt Skelton out in the following fight, yeah. in, the first, in the second round. And he took out Kevin Johnson. I get a lot of stick off people, you know, trolls. Mm. I get stick off people because it was the first round. But Kevin Johnson fought AJ. He'd never been knocked out ever. And he'd, he'd fought Klitschko, Fury, Chisora. And uh, AJ took him out, knocked him out of the ring in the first round and stopped him in the second. So I say to people, well, Kevin Johnson was fighting all the top and he got took out. Mm. AJ's just got that power. Um, but yeah, it was yeah he's, he was the next level. I knew he would be champion, but I always knew Tyson Fury would be the favourite in my eyes. I just thought he's got too much of a natural boxing ability, Fury. So if you had a 10 grand bet with um, me now, who would your money be on? Tyson. All day long? Yeah. Even years ago it would have been. Yeah. Yeah, years ago. How do you reckon AJ could beat him? Don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> With a bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to get you'd have to get somehow close to him or catch catch him, but he's hard to catch. Yeah. He's so hard to catch. Yeah. What was your what was your uh, you had any dealings with Eddie Hearn? 
Matchroom? Uh, yeah, well, that was the, the, I had a, the, the, the one who paid you for yeah, the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Eddie Hearn got me on that one, and and the James Tony fight as well was. Oh, the prize fighter. Prize fighter. That was Matchroom. That was good, yeah. Was that before or after that the That was AJ? a year before. Before. Tell me about Prize Fighter. Prize Fighter, that was, was that? good. A great Britain versus America, wasn't it? Yeah. Quality. Yeah, because I, I was making a comeback, another comeback. I'd had a few years out and this was 2013. I won my comeback fight against a fellow from Eastern Europe. He'd had, I think, four fights. He'd won all four by knockout and I'd beaten him. Tyson Fury was actually in the crowd. Mm. This was in Milton Keynes because Huey Fury was on the bill. So that was my comeback fight and then the very next fight was Prize Fighter. My, my manager, Mervyn Turner, who got me all the, the two big fights, he done really well for me at the end. He said, uh, you're in prize fighter. And I was like, wow. And it was meant to be Shannon Briggs was meant to be the mm. main headline. But he pulled out and James Tony came in, who's arguably a, a bigger name. You said like 90 professional fights? Or something yeah. Massive, something massive. Yeah. Right? I think I was fight number 89. Wow. He's had 90 something now. <laughs> Never been knocked out, James Tony. In all them fights, a lot of them at, at world level. Um, he's only been down once or twice, legendary fighter. Mm. That's why when I boxed him, uh, I got told by the American team, because we all sat to uh, have having dinner together the day before, because we stayed in the same hotel. The American team, Jason Gavin has actually sparred with James Tony, And he said to me, you'll never knock him out. Nobody will ever knock him out. So when you fight him tomorrow, Matt, you just got to touch him and move. Do not try and knock him out because he'll count you. So that's why that's why I boxed a bit more defensively mm. than I than I normally do. Do you regret that? Um, maybe because it was a bit of a negative style. It's yeah. not like my style. Yeah. I was sort of backing up, but I got told that's I, I got to take the advice, and mm. I, I take things literally. So I just took the advice. How weird! How, how weird was that? Like having dinner with people you're about to fight with the, the next day. Yeah, because yeah, because the whole American team, apart from James Tony, we all sat together with the English team. Yeah. James Tony stayed upstairs. He was a bit, he was lovely after the fight, but before he was a bit of a, acting like a bit of a diva. Right. But he was lovely after. Yeah. I think that's part of his game plan. Um, but he's, he's brilliant, yeah. He's brilliant. He signed a glove for me and we met up in Milton Keynes. He oh. came to Milton Keynes to do a show. And, but it was weird having dinner with him, but all respectful people. Mm. But a lot of boxers are respectful yeah. and uh, Michael Sprott ended up winning it. And yeah, I got on well with him, all the American team. How did, how did that work, the prize fight? Was it quarter semi-final? It's quarter semi-final. And if you win... You get four grand no matter what, but if you win each fight, you double your money. So if you win your your quarterfinal, you get eight grand. Yeah. If you win your semifinal and you win, you get sixteen grand. And if you win the final, you get thirty two. So you double your money with Happy each. Happy days, quite like that. But you got three fights in the night. Yeah. Is it? Has that kept on? Has Eddie kept on? I think going? he stopped it now. He stepped it, has he? Yeah. But I mean, I, that was to me that was the best one to be in. Yeah. And the the biggest name who's ever been in it. I was I was honoured to fight him. To mm. be honoured to share a ring with him. So that couple of years, Matt, that couple of years of 2012, 13, 14 after the Olympics, 2013 with the prize fight, 2014 fighting AJ, your profile must have raised quite a bit then, right? Yeah, it did after the James Tony one and then obviously with the AJ one. So I wanted to capitalise on on all the publicity yeah. um, and I was going to fight for the Southern Area title about a month after the AJ fight. But because I got stopped, you have to have a month off. Yeah. So it cancelled my title fight. Plus my eye socket, I had nerve damage for three months. So the right side of my face was numb for about two months with nerve damage. Wow. You could have put, you can stick a pin in my face, I wouldn't have felt it from the from the broken eye socket. And then um, that took three months to heal. And in that time I went up to Liverpool and I started working in Liverpool on a building site, thanks to my mate Adam. And that was it. 
I've sort of effectively finished my boxing career, which I was gutted about really, because I wanted to capitalize on that publicity. Yeah. Even though I lost, I still did something that no one else had done, which was attack him yeah. full on. And that's what you'll be remembered for. Yeah. It was a full on attack, wasn't it? Yeah, full on attack. And it was, he never caught me with any jabs. I slipped yeah. all the jabs and I was 38 years old as well. Yeah. Most people at 38. <laughs> what was he? How old was 18? He was 24. Oh, 24. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, 38, most people have packed in years yeah. ago. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's it been like? What's it been like the sort of last eight years for you? What's your movements been? Um, since the AJ fight and going up and working up in Liverpool so since then I've been to various different jobs and I've got my three boys I've got three sons that I, I've got how old are they now they're 22 coming up one's 17 and the other one's 14 all, Matty Max and Mason all the M's quality <laughs> all the M's so yeah three just, good lads yeah yeah good lads they've had a bit of trouble a few fights but like me don't start fights but get into fights yeah. and um, yeah, youngest one, yeah, Mason was one of the best in his school when he's young. He's getting a little bit naughty now, but teenage. <laughs> but just doing bits of work, I've done various different jobs. Uh, I don't, I packed in a, anything criminal yeah. when my eldest son was probably about six or seven. I didn't want to be a negative influence on him. So I thought if he sees me, if he doesn't see me with a proper job, he's going to think that's yeah. the way to go. So I, I packed in the crime then, just stopped it dead and n never went back to it. So that's probably what, 15 something years ago, yeah. back to it. I did a couple of little debt jobs since then. Um, I don't look at debt jobs as being as crime no. really, it's helping someone get their money back yeah. that someone's stolen. Yeah. Um, I've done a few debt jobs for, um, I've done one for Charlie Bronson. <laughs> Bron yeah, it's Charlie Bronson's family said that they had a debt to be collected and it was a geezer I know. So I just went round to the pub, knocked on the door, said, hello mate, how you doing? Depth for thingy, he went, Oh, yeah, and he just paid it straight away. <laughs> you would do, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I got a letter from Charlie saying, Thanks, Matt, nice bit of work. Um, yeah, it's only a little one. Quality. Tell me what your thoughts are on the Tommy Fury fight versus Jake Paul. Yeah, um, I had Tommy down to win that actually. A lot of people thought Jake Paul was going to win. Um, don't know, is it good for boxing? Don't know. Uh, a lot of people. Jake Paul's earning a lot of money. He's he's brought out a lot of people following it that are not boxing yeah. proper boxing fans. So it's a YouTuber versus versus a novice uh, boxer, pro novice boxer coming through, right? And he did all right, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He actually did all right. Yeah, and he's yeah. I don't know what to think of it. Um, I know Flo I'm more disappointed in what Floyd Mayweather's doing, fighting. Um, I don't even know who he's, he fought someone the other yeah. night. Um, I don't know how it's gone to this sort of thing. When they're getting more money than the actual boxers Proper who boxers, put in yeah. their, their life and soul into yeah. it. That's well, the I'm, bit, I'm that's not the saying, bit, yeah. I'm not saying these people don't. Respect to them for doing it, but I'm saying there's people that have took it seriously all their lives not yeah. getting these paydays. Yeah. It's amazing what the power, well, that's the social media bit. He's yeah. got 20 million followers. He's going And fair play to him. He's fighting in Saudi Arabia. He's put it on. Jake Paul put the money up front. Yeah. He's a ballsy character. He, has, he knows how to do promo. He's got some good business um, yeah. acumen. Yeah. yeah. And, um, he, and, and before the fight, I was thinking, God, he's actually got a dangerous right hand. But last yeah. night, I thought Tommy did well. Yeah. He has got a big right hand. He's, he's dangerous with that. And that's, I did a prediction before where I said, uh, Tommy's going to win it, I think, round six or you, seven. You said to me, six or seven rounds. That's round. what yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he's just got to be wary of the right hand. And it goes to show, yeah, but he, but he outboxed him, thankfully. Yeah, but imagine it, the amount of pressure on Tommy. 
You got yeah. your brother there. You got your dad there. You got your, everyone else there. Yeah. You got two and a half years. You got the name, the Fury name, yeah. on the line. His dad accepted that wager, didn't he? The double or nothing. I really hope. I really hope so. I really hope. I that don't Jake think Paul, they sign a contract though. No, I would so love to see that. He would have got double money. Yeah, yeah, that's big money. I think he's got. I think he was on two mil guaranteed, and he's on thirty-five percent of the pay-per-view. Is he? <laughs> and there's a rematch. I can see. I can see why his old man was like, "Mate, hundred percent rematch. Just yeah. go again." Yeah, it's just Amazing. massive money in that now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of world champion boxers don't see that amount of money. Mm. There's some positives in. It. I think the positives are that you're bringing a new audience to boxing. But us lot who love our boxing, sitting there watching yeah. last night, be like, oh. "Yeah, my mate's a boxing yeah. fan, so that." And he said to me today, "You can't stand it." It's flat. And they pay Mike Tyson to come over and give it some credibility yeah. with all the big names over there and. I don't know what they paid Mike Tyson to go over there. They must I, have I was thinking him. they must have been a private lead yet. Plus yeah, he must have been paid really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must have got, I don't know what he got, but must I'd like to find paid. out. Yeah. Arthur Mill? It's got to be. It's got to be. Got to, he won't get out of bed for <laughs> no, this. No, of course. That. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Matt, what's um, what's the future for you, mate? Um, carry on. I hope my kids are healthy and happy. All my family, Katie, my missus. I just want everyone to be happy, healthy. Got my YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, going along with that. So I do sort of little mini documentaries on street fighters, boxers, and uh, a few stories about my life. Um, just just to, I was gonna have a bare knuckle fight. I got offered a bare knuckle fight from, a, do you know Jack Draper? Mm. Jack Draper, um, a polite challenge out, and I accepted it. This is a few months back, even though he's one of the, the big up and coming names. Yeah. And I looked and thought, yeah, I'll, I'll have some of that. Did he, he call you out? Not in a, not in a he sort of said, cause he sort of said, Matt, I know you want to get into bare knuckle. I'll give you, uh, if you want to, how about fighting me in a respectful way? Yeah. And he went, if not, we could do a spar or we could do something else. And I went, yeah, I'm up for a challenge. This is back then. I didn't realize my knees and my back were so knackered. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I'm up for the challenge. Yeah, let's do it. And then he's got his BKFC fight. So then he, he had to pull out because he had a contract with the BKFC. Might have been a good thing because yeah. when I started training, my knees, my back were, were just agony. As soon as I do a session, so I'm probably maybe too old at 46 now, coming up to 47. Mate, I, I, I think you're still game. Do you reckon? Yeah, mate. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I've still got that in me. So I think because I'm coming off a loss, even though it's to AJ, I've still got that thing where I want to prove myself. Yeah. Because all through- You've got unfinished business. Yeah, I think. I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And I've always loved, I've always loved bare knuckle from when I was a kid, I used to watch- you know, any which way you can, mm. every which way but loose. Clint Eastwood mm. with, with the orangutan when he's doing bare knuckle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've always loved it from then. <laughs> I like the, the the happy, positive side yeah. of it. Um, so I've maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. If someone called you out on YouTube, how much money would they have to put up for you to fight? Well, to be honest, I would have done that Jack fight for nothing. I said I was expecting just to do it for my YouTube channel to get a few good bits of content. Um, and I think Jack was on about pay-per-view, but I'm silly like that. I do it for the, the challenge and the motivation and because it, it would have it kept me off the drink, kept me focused for a big goal. When you've got a fight lined up, you have to get fit. Yeah. So it is, it's the best focus you can have because yeah. you, you can't be embarrassed in front of, yeah. I don't know, hundreds or thousands of people. So Plus all over the internet. But yeah, so it would have yeah. been, been more about the, the, the challenge and the focus. But I mean, now... When I started, it's just, I think my years and years of slipping and running, my knees and my back, don't know whether they'd even, might have been a good thing that I couldn't do it. I'm still, I'm st Mate, I, I think you've still got it. Do you think? Yeah, mate, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Who is there out there who's the top of the game on YouTube at the moment on the old bare knuckle? 
you've got a few good lads out there in the heavyweight division. Jack's one of the up-and-coming ones. Mm. Mick, Mick Terrell, Mickey Terrell, is one of the good ones. Uh, they're all young youngsters, aren't they, compared yeah. to me? Uh, maybe if I fought one of the older ones, or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll have to get in, in shape and get a good get sparring and test my reflexes mm. out properly because it's the reflexes that I want to test. Mm. And the and the football, I'm still 20 stone. I could still move around at 19 stone fairly yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, but it's still yeah. I always have that that thing in me. How much a bare knuckle fight? How much do they get in a fight these days? I'm not too sure. I think no. they get good money now. On the, We're on talking the, five, ten. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On some of the bigger the bigger organisations, I think you yeah. do get that, like BKFC. Yeah. Or maybe the other one, BKB. But there's there's money in it because it's such a tough. It's a brutal sport. Brutal. Yeah. You're going to get broken hands. You're going to get cuts. You're going to get broken. Bone on bone. Bone on bone, yeah. yeah which is, yeah, they don't last as long as a boxing match. They reckon it's better for your brain because you don't sustain longer, uh, sustained punches with a glove on. <laughs> Who but, said that? Well, because got, when you've got a glove on. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard it. I've heard it. it, it been, you, yeah, yeah you, you don't get cut so yeah. easily. So when you've got a bare knuckle, it'll be over quicker. Yeah. <laughs> One way of looking at it. <laughs> same, but I look at it the same as yeah. the amount of fights I've had on the street. Yeah. I had a fight uh, three years ago in a casino. Uh, someone threw a drink on my ex, who I was with at the time, two brothers. And I was actually having a good night with one of the brothers. I walked mm. back in the casino. Someone's chucked a drink on my ex. So I'm trying to find out who it was. The two brothers have come up to me and um, offered me for a fight. So I've gone outside. I've gone to do it inside. <laughs> and I've hit the, the, the bigger brother. And whilst he was on the floor, the other one hit me from the side with a knuckle duster, broke my jaw, both sides, and I've then gone for him with my jaw hanging off, running around the casino. I was on a session as well. This is <laughs> I was on a session. Chased them. They were throwing bottles at me. I was running at them. They were trying to fight me with bottles and everything. And it was carnage. Um, and I went to the hospital to get the jaw sorted out mm. because I've been on a session, even in the hospital, I carried on the session. <laughs> yeah, in the toilets. I was drinking and doing everything else. <laughs> So they said, if, if you've been drinking that, you can't have the operation. You have to come back another day. Yeah. So I went home, carried on the session till another day and a half. Then I got a little bit of sleep and got the operation two days later. Two plates, oh, two plates man. there, one plate there. But yeah, so that's why I don't go out in Milton Keynes yeah. a lot. I just get... Was that the time you said you rolled back a bit here? You said the last time I had a proper session was three years ago. Was it, was it then? It was... A bit after that, mm. a little bit after that. It was October, two, three years in October it'll be. Mm. Yeah, I've had one since then. I don't miss it. Do those sessions get you into trouble? Yeah, yeah. It, by the end of it, because I've done it for so many years, I started getting, but you get paranoia at the end of it if yeah. you keep doing it too. But I don't like that feeling of paranoia. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, it's no good. So. Have you, over the years, with everything going on in your world, very eventful life, have you ever dealt with any sort of mental health issues? Yeah, lows and depressions and stuff. Yeah, I didn't realise at the time, but ever since I was a teenager, I've always had a very quiet side where I'd not answer the phone for days. I never knew why. Just thought I was being quiet, but I would. Maybe it was because I was drinking mm. a lot, and the drinking is a depressant. But I'd sometimes shut myself off, not answer the phone. Um, but I've managed to conquer that. I've not had any depression for about nine years since I fought. Since I went pro again, two thousand thirteen, so ten yeah. years. I've managed to keep it at bay. Brilliant. And the reason I, I, I've done that is I've, you've got to learn, you've you got to study your enemy, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. And I knew the things to combat depression is good food, get out in the fresh air, yeah. get up and about, work. Training. Training. Um, good people around good you. Good people around you. Cold baths really help as well, and believe it or not. A lot of people are doing that, the Wim Hof type yeah. thing. 
uh, good people around you and you've always got to have something to look forward to the, the following day I try and always yeah. even if it's something little like having a going out for a coffee yeah. but I've had I've had a couple of times I had anxiety which from drinking where I've overdone the drink for two or three days in a row yeah. releasing adrenaline and you get a bit of anxiety I, I found out how to combat that so I always try and study study these things to try and never get them again mm. and I'm doing well so far just staying off drinking drugs, I'd say to anyone, yeah. keep off drinking drugs. Um, that's that's key to mental, to positive mental health. Mm. Uh, exercise, definitely. Mm. Um, fresh air. I love countryside as well, yeah. going in the countryside. That's what I see on your YouTube channel, mate. You're absolutely smashing it. <laughs> it's brilliant. You Thank know what? You. I think people, a lot of people like you've got loads of subscribers, thousands, thousands, 20 odd thousand, 22,000, 25. People are really enjoying your honesty. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. You know? Yeah, appreciate that. I, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'll never tell a lie. Um, and I try and be positive, even even to the trolls that come on there. I won't. Are I you won't, getting trolls here? A couple here and there. What popping up? Just, just yeah, not not massively bad. Yeah. But I'll never swear at them. I never call them a name yeah. or anything. I get I get a lot of them saying about the anti Joshua fight. Oh yeah, you got done in the round. Yeah. Minor things, but I get some being rude and this, that, and the other. But I, I don't let it. I just take the positives. Yeah. There's so many positive comments, and I, I love my subscribers, and that out far outweighs the negative. Um, and I'll never be rude. I'll never swear on there. Um, I'll just keep it, yeah, try me positive. And Who's the toughest man, if you're going to be in the top three? Roy Shaw, Norman Buckland, <laughs> or Lenny McLean? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, Lenny gets a lot of stick for getting beat in those six unlicensed fights, but what people forget about Lenny is he wasn't a boxer. So he was going in against ex-professionals, as just as a street fighter, mm. which is a very disadvantage. Lenny on the street was a, was obviously forced to be reckoned with. Yeah. But I've got a friend that was working with Lenny, doing eviction jobs and doing door work and stuff like that for many, many years. And he worked with Norman Buckland. He knew, he knew them both. And I asked him the question, who do you think? And he went, he went, I can't see anyone beating Norman. He said, and Lenny was so, so dangerous. He goes, I wouldn't like to call it. He wouldn't yeah. like to call it at wow. them two. Roy Shaw, we know how tough he was mm. with his chin and that. And, but Lenny took him out twice, didn't he, at the, at the yeah. three. Um, but you've got people like Bill the Bomb, haven't you, as well? Mm. Bill the Bomb. I went to London once in, in the 90s and I was talking about Lenny and someone went, no, nah, no, nah, Bill the Bomb. <laughs> and Yemi B talks about Bill the Bomb quite he? a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got people like Bill the Bomb. And I used to love hearing about those, those fighters and that sort of stuff, mm. the street fighters. And something about them, there's, a, there's that edginess. Yeah. I think that's why... Yeah, why I had, I would be quick to, if a gang, if I had a gang being mouthy, I would never back off. Yeah. I think I was trying to think of them type of people, yeah. what they would do, like Norman, they would just go forward. Mm. Norman's done things like, he's fought four men with hockey sticks, they broke his arm and he carried on fighting with a broken arm and beat all four. He bit he bit them, bit chunks out their heads. <laughs> yeah. Where's he from, Norman? Aylesbury. Aylesbury. Norman's okay, from yeah. Aylesbury, yeah. I'd like, to, I'd like to get normal. Oh, here. yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate. He's had an event for life, yeah. He's had an event for life, sure. Get, yeah, get him on, mate. Yeah, he's brilliant. Brilliant guest. Mate, yeah. I, Matt, I've really, really enjoyed our convo. It's been brilliant, mate. Thank you. Yeah, yeah mate. You've lived brilliant. a proper eventful life. And you know what I really like? I love your honesty. Thank you, mate. Yeah. You know Appreciate I mean? it. Yeah, nice one. And where can people find you? Uh, YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Back, I'm on YouTube. Got my channel going. Matt uh, Leg, YouTube. Just Matt Leg. Yeah, yeah. Top Matt Leg in. M A T L E G. Yeah. Mate, quality, mate. I really do appreciate you. you coming down. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you for inviting me, Dodge. You're a good man. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers.